step down into darkness open my eyes let me see beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god you're altogether lovely altogether worthy altogether wonderful to me king of all days of so highly exalted glorious in heaven above humbly you came to the earth you created all for love's sake became poor so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god you're altogether lovely altogether worthy altogether wonderful to me and i'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross and i'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross so here i am to worship here i am to bow down here i am to say that you're my god you're altogether lovely altogether worthy altogether wonderful to me There was a man by the name of Charles Wesley. How many of you ever heard of him? Okay. He was a preacher. And when he first started preaching, another Moravian pastor happened to hear him and understood that from his preaching, he didn't understand that salvation was by faith alone in the person work of Jesus Christ. So privately, he pulled him aside and he said, uh, you know, Mr. Wesley, you know, have you ever considered this? And at that point, Wesley experienced his spiritual birth by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And he wrote this song. It's his testimony. Would you listen to it, please? For me, who caused his pain, for me. 
so free, so infinite, His grace emptied of Himself of all but love and bled for Adam's hopeless race. Tis mercy all immense and free for all my God, it found of me amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? No condemnation now I dread, Jesus. Clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that the In a world where there's so much darkness, our prayer is that Jesus would shine. He is the light of the world, correct? But you know, we're his body. The body of Christ is the church. Those who believe in him and trust him by faith alone. So when we say shine, Jesus, shine, what we're actually saying is, Lord, would you shine through our lives? Would people see Jesus in our life. So, this is an old kind of song. <laughs> when I say old, it's not as old as I am. Uh, but, the, I'm sorry? 87. Yeah. Uh, if you can, uh, there's a clapping part in here. You can clap when it's time. You'll hear me do it on the drum, too. Shine, Jesus, shine. with grace and mercy. 
from the shadows into your radiance by the blood i may enter your brightness search me try me consume all my darkness shine jean on me shine on me Okay, so what is the common theme of the songs? Yes. Say again. All right, that's the theme in the songs. Yeah. Okay. Who said light? You get a gold star. It's all of the, it's all of the above, right? But light, Lord, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's in it's in there if you want. So, so, uh, I certainly don't need it, so you can have it. Now, listen, it's light, and uh, as we uh, continue in the service, I want you to grasp on to that because, uh, well, there's something special about the light of Christ. Would you read this with me? This is Hebrews chapter one, verses one to three. Are you ready? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. This son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. What a great, great verse, huh? When Jesus took on flesh and came to the earth to become very God, very man, fully God, fully man, I should say. We don't talk like that anymore. But... Uh, I mean, it was it was a miracle that that he left his father's throne. That's what Wesley said, right? And he came into this mess because the world was dark. Because the world was dark. We have several things to pray for this morning. So, as we go into prayer, I'll ask the men or whoever's going to help with um, the offering to come up. And um, some of you, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Joan Hamilton's in, uh, in rehab right now. She was in a hospital. She has some uh, health issues going on, but they have her in, in rehab. I'm not quite sure where, um, and I'll try to find that out for you. But um, 
they want her legs to get stronger and you know increase her endurance a little bit. So we need to pray for Joan. Uh, we also need to pray for Jack Bensonhaven. Uh, Jack was a uh, longtime pastor at Jackson Baptist Church. I knew Jack uh, years ago. We used to meet for coffee on the Parkway, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, and in and, and the mornings once or twice a week. And um, unfortunately, he sustained a fall uh, down a flight of stairs, uh, broke his shoulders and pelvis, um, and uh, has some heart issues that are a concern. So we need to pray for, for Jack. He's still preaching the word, right? I mean, not right now, but I mean, he, he's still preaching the word. And uh, Jack is a you know, man of God, a good man. So uh, lots to pray for. There's still people under the weather. Uh, and <clears throat> with this crazy weather, we were freezing last week, you remember? 14 degrees last week. And today's going to be in the 60s. So you figure it, right? Incredible. Uh, no, please, please don't pray for snow. But listen, Chip wants snow. We'll give him a quarter inch and that's it. How's that? All right? Let's pray. Father, as we, as we bring these issues before you, you know what's going on better than we do. And we pray for Joan that whatever is going on with her health, that she would grow stronger and, and that you would restore her back to health. Be with her as she's in rehab. Encourage her. We ask, Father, that there would be no complications going forward and that uh, you would bring her home shortly and that she could rejoin us. And so, Father, watch over her and provide for her. Give the doctors and therapists insight of what needs to be done to make her well. And Father, we, we ask that you touch her. You're the great physician. And that you would heal her of anything that might prohibit her from being here. And Father, uh, for our brother Jack, um, served you for many, many years, Father. Unfortunately, uh, the news of him falling and hurting himself and some heart concerns, Father, we want to lift him up before you. We pray again for good healing. We pray for no complications. We pray whatever the heart issues are, Father, that the doctors would be able to treat it. And and, um, again, he would be restored back to health. Pray for Pat, his wife, Father, as she walks through this with him. Give her strength. So, Father, uh, with these two dear people, we lift them up to you and we commend them into your hands. And we pray in Jesus' name. And Father, as we're about to give to the work of the ministry, we pray you bless the giving and the gift. We pray, pray, Father, that we use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
How many of us that are, excuse the term, older, have ever thought about if our parents were still alive, what would they think of what's going on today? Have you ever thought about that, right? Um, you know, my, my mother came in from Italy uh, when she was about 18 years old, and uh, she, she did it the right way, by the way. Uh, came in and um, uh, cherished this country and became a citizen, married my father, uh, and hard, hardworking people. Not necessarily educated, but hardworking. And, you know, we, we were raised in a tradition where uh, you, you kind of went to church only on Easter and Christmas, right, if you're fortunate. But I, I remember my mom reading the Bible all the time. She, she just constantly read the scriptures. And, and my father w was a, a good man. You know, they were both moral people. And the reason why they were moral people is because uh, back in the old days, if I can put it that way, the culture's m morality was uh, running fairly parallel with the Judeo-Christian ethic. In the late 60s, that started not to be the case. Uh, the cultural uh, ethics and, and morals started to divert off of the, the Christian Judeo ethic found in the scriptures. And I can tell you that uh, I believe in, in the history of our country, we have this wide gap now between what the culture says is okay and what the Bible says is okay. And that gap's getting wider every day. Would you agree with that? Right? Um, this is nothing new. I mean, it started, we all know this, in the Garden of Eden. And um, it started with uh, uh, Eve doubting God and then Adam uh, whipping out with Eve and doing what she asked. And, uh, you know, it was a great fall. And we talked about that during the Advent season. Uh, so ever since that time, Sin came into the world, which causes us to be rebellious against the will of God. We're all born like that, by the way. All right, that's what the Bible uh, says, and that's what many churches call original sin. Okay, we're born rebels against God. That's because our parents, we inherit their nature. Okay. How many of you ever looked in the mirror and said, mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my mother after all, or I am my father after all, right? And, and you realize that, well, you know, some of those things you thought your parents were crazy about, they weren't so crazy, you know? And you say, oh, okay, they, they did know what they were talking about, but we're all born uh, into that. And from that time on, the world has gotten darker and darker. And what I mean by that is uh, sin, causes darkness and chaos. Would you agree? All right. And you know who the prince of darkness is, don't you? Satan. He's the prince of darkness. He's a good imitator, too, by the way. He can imitate a lot of things that make him look good and make him look like God, but he's a deceiver. His name 
Satan means adversary. Uh, Diablos, which he's called in some other parts of scripture, means the devil, right? Uh, and we've got to get rid of the picture of Satan that he has horns and a pitchfork. No, he doesn't, okay? He's a clever guy, but he's not, he's not all-knowing and he's not all-powerful, but he's evil. So I want to suggest to you this morning that the evil we see in this world is evil that people are propagating out of their own sinfulness and Satan's fanning the flame. That's what he's doing. He's fanning the flame. Satan is the prince of darkness. And I want you to follow these verses with me because there are days uh, it seems like darkness is winning. Isn't that true? If days it seems like darkness is winning. I can't even imagine what the disciples felt like when Jesus died. Can you? They put him in a grave. Well, hope was gone at that moment. Well, hope was gone. And Satan really believed he got rid of this Jesus once for all. That darkness won over the light. But three days later, he was in for surprise, wasn't he? All right. Look at this passage with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, you know, some of you who may not be um, familiar with the Gospel of John, and you don't have the tools uh, that I have for the original language, you can get lost in this. And you say, what's John doing here? Is he trying to confuse me or what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, no, he's not trying to do that, and I'll give you some background on this real quick. The word that's used here for word is logos, and both the Greek and the Hebrew would understand that as to mean a power that is beyond us who creates. That makes sense? And in the beginning was the word, and that's a little bit uh, deceiving too, the way that's translated, because we all know that the Trinity is eternal, correct? So... If I were to, to translate this literally from the original language, you'd read this way. Think as far back as you can, and even before that was the Word. The Word never had a beginning, always was. The Word's eternal, correct? How many of us, and maybe I was the only one who thought this, I thought Jesus came to existence at Christmas. No, he was always. How do we know that? Because he's the word. Uh, we're going to cheat a little bit, and I don't have it up here, but if you, in your Bibles, if you want to go to verse 14, we know that uh, John's talking about Jesus because it says, and the word became what? Flesh. So we understand that John is, is saying to his readers, I'm going I'm to show you who this word is. He always was. And he was with God. And he was God. Fully equal to God. You realize there are many religions today that would say that is not true. 
And that's one good way to say, to pick out if there's a religion that's a cult. Jesus is fully God. Fully God, even when he took on flesh. Fully God, fully man at that point. But fully God. He was with God in the beginning. He always was. Now, John is, in, 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 John is not ignoring the Holy Spirit here because the Holy Spirit always was too. And the Holy Spirit is God. All right? You get that? Am I making your brain hurt a little bit? If I, if I am, that's good. Okay? Uh, he, he was with God in the beginning. In Genesis. What's the beginning words in Genesis? In the beginning. In the beginning, God. And later on in Genesis 1, it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. Right? And that word for God in, in the Hebrew is Elohim, which is plural, which may indicate the Trinity. Right? In the beginning was God. I want, I want to read one other passage here before you, before I want to park on a verse here. In 1 John. I got a new Bible, so it doesn't have all the, the wrinkles in it yet. Here's, here's a letter that John wrote later in his life, probably sometime before he was exiled to Patmos. And he says this. This is 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our own hands have touched. This is, uh, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Wow. Look at verse 3. Through him, all things were made. Well, how were things created? They were created out of nothing, and by his spoken word... Jesus said what? Let there be light. Let there be sky. Let there be water. Let there be fish and wildlife in the water, you know? Through the word. That's why I have to laugh many times when we talk about the second coming of Christ and people say, yeah, you know, we have nuclear weapons and we're going to destroy ourselves. And No, no, no. Listen, when Christ comes back, all he needs is his word. He doesn't need anything from us. He needs his word. Through him, all things were made, including you. Did you ever think about that? Including you. If you ever think you're not worth much, well, think about your creator, that he took time and created you. In fact, he knew you even before you were conceived. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Science can explain everything they want and try to get rid of God. But if God went on strike, if Jesus went on strike, if the Holy Spirit went on strike, we would be no more. Because not only does he create, he sustains. Wow. You know, and science doesn't have to be an enemy of the scriptures. Science in its purest form just observes what God has done. Right? But look at verse 4 here. In him, in who? In the word, in Jesus, right? 
was life. True life. You know, on, on New Year's Eve, there's nothing much on television. And, you know, we're kind of channel surfing to see if there was anything worth watching. And um, there was one of the uh, uh, home improvement shows. Uh, I think it was on H&G. And, and the man, uh, the husband uh, uh, who owned the house, when he walked in, he looked at his wife and he said, we made it. And, and I understand where he's coming from, and I'm glad for him. But you know what? Without Jesus, nothing matters. Isn't that true? Nothing matters, right? In him was life. What kind of life? Eternal life. He was eternal. And by faith, he wants to grant eternal life to us the moment we trust in what he did for us on the cross. And that life... That life was the what? The light of all mankind. The light. One of the things that um, evil likes is, is darkness, right? Um, have any of you ever got a call from a uh, burglar to say that at 8 o'clock tonight they were going to rob your house? No, you know, they come under the darkness and they, they try to get in and get out undetected and, and, and do what they, they came to do. But you know, <laughs> millions of dollars are being made in the lighting industry because the fact of the matter is the more lights you have on, e either inside or outside, the less chance there's, there's for crime. Isn't that right, Butch? He's our expert here, right? Um, people who do evil do not like to be in the light, especially in the light of God. You know why? Because in the light of God, everything's exposed. Everything's exposed. Now, that's good and bad. Because once everything is exposed, you no longer have to make excuses. But we, we have to do at that point is to say, Lord, I blew it. I was stupid. I sinned against you, and I've sinned against others. Lord, you died on the cross for my sin. Would you forgive me? And the promise of the scripture is that he will. And here's the reason why. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to translate that last part uh, a little bit differently from my understanding of the original language. It says, and the darkness has not apprehended and conquered it. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. That gives me hope for, for the new year because, quite frankly, I don't see the new year being much better than the old year. But I do know this. However dark the world seems to get, it's never going to get rid of Jesus. And Jesus will come through. He will always come through. The other reason for hope is this. 
Listen, churches are still empty, many of them. The only ones that are full are the ones that put on big shows and, and the name it and claim it gospels. You know. They're the ones that are filled, okay? But churches that preach good doctrine, uh, you know, for whatever reason, prior to COVID, had good attendance. After COVID, people didn't come back. I want to say to you this. The longer you stay away from a fellowship, the longer you stay away from the word, the longer you stay away from prayer, darkness is going to try to envelop you. You know what envelop means? It's tough. It's tough. Listen. I want to give you examples of how far we have gone from what God wants. I'm talking now culturally and religiously, okay? There's many corrupt and false religions. Legalistic religion, you know what I mean by that? Legalistic religion says you gotta abide by the rules, otherwise you're not saved or you're not a good Christian. Now, rules can't save anybody. Only the blood of Christ. And when the Holy Spirit is given to us the moment we believe, then the word comes alive. And then we know from the inside out what pleases God and what doesn't. Isn't that true? Okay. Religions that teach salvation through faith plus works. That's just not consistent with the Bible. James says, you know, and people, you know, they'll often bring up James. What about James? And James saying the same thing Paul said in Romans. Paul is saying that by grace you are saved through faith, not through works. And James says, show me your works and I'll show you your faith. And, and it's not contradictory. What James is saying here is that when you have faith in Christ, your life is going to show it. You're not saved because of the good works, but your life are gonna, is going to show it. You'll be different somehow. You're under new ownership. You're not under the ownership of the prince of darkness anymore. You're under the ownership of the light of the world. So we can sing, shine, Jesus, shine. There's a movement going around in churches and I've personally had to confront this with, uh, with other people I know. And it, it's a doctrine of universal salvation. In other words, everybody is saved. Doesn't matter what you do, what you believe. That's heresy. That is heresy. Then there's Gnosticism. Gnosticism is still alive and well. Gnosticism uh, reduces Jesus to some type of teacher or, or good man, and he's just a, one of a number of steps that we have to achieve in order to be right with God. In other words, the cross means nothing anymore. That's heresy. Angel worship, still around. I see people more anxious to worship angel than, than the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in angels, but we're not to worship them. Isn't that what the scripture says? We're not to worship them. 
and mediums and fortune tellers. You know, I knew, I knew a professing believer who went to a fortune teller. I almost died. And, you know, I, I had to hold my tongue, uh, you know, in that case, because it wasn't the proper time to, to confront it. But I also uh, know someone who said to me they went to a fortune teller, and I said, why? Well, they wanted to know about the future, what their life was going to be like. And I had the relationship with this person where I could say, I can tell you. I won't even charge you money. Without Christ, you're going to die and spend eternity in hell. But with Christ, you trust in him and what he did for you on the cross. Then you'll spend eternity in heaven. How's that? I don't believe it. I can't help that. If you don't believe it, it doesn't make it not true. Right? We really have to be careful with this stuff. This stuff creeps into the church. And if I offend anybody, forgive me. But those of you who look at your horoscope, you're better off looking at the scriptures. I don't care if Jupiter's aligned with Mars. I don't care if the moon is falling out of the sky. It's all false. As you know, that evil also corrupts government. Right? Corrupt governments deteriorate into dictatorships, Marxism, communism, and fascist thinking. Listen, government in itself is not bad. It's what people do when they have that office. You put people in government that have a moral compass, now you're going to have a government that serves the people. But when we put people in office with no moral uh, compass, then you're going to have a government that serves themselves and wants to control the people. Would anybody disagree with that? It's happening before our, uh, our, our eyes. And then there's the culture. Marriage is no longer regarded as sacred. There are still many people who choose to live together outside of marriage, who have children outside of marriage. And it, it ends up catastrophic many times. It's against God's will. God performed the first wedding ceremony, Adam and Eve, correct? That brings me to the, the culture's redefinition of gender. As far as I know, there's only two. God created male and female. That's it. That's it. But now we got 57 or something like that. It's, it's craziness. And our children are being exposed to this from kindergarten. Listen, there was a news report, uh, I think it was uh, before the holidays, that there are some schools that have brought in female impersonators. 
my mother would have been jumping up and down, saying, what's this world coming to? This is perverted. And yet our culture now is saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with it. Really? What does God say about it? What does God say about it? How about unborn life in the womb? Bible says that's sacred. But the womb is the unsafest place in America now. Because in some states you can abort right up to the last day. For no good reason, by the way. And now people want to have the option after a child is born whether to continue that life or not. That's infanticide. It's murder. It's murder. Redefining sin. Oh, everybody lives together. Well, does that make it right? Right? Well, you know, you got to go with the flow. You go with the flow, you're going to end up in the sewer. Bless you. All right? You know, gee, that's, that's quotable. You go with the flow in our culture, you're going to end up in the sewer. Isn't that true? I mean, we're at the point now where uh, police officers are making routine stops and they're inhaling fentanyl just by doing their job and a police officer almost died because of it. We've come a long way, baby, huh? We redefine sin. Sin is exactly what the Bible says it is. It's anything that goes against the known will of God. That's what sin is. That's what sin is. And of course, our culture is trying to marginalize God. When I say marginalize, get him out of the picture, right? God forbid in public you say the name of Jesus now. You may get charged with a hate crime. You think I'm joking? And yet, I can stand online and shop right in back of a person who has a shirt on with the most vulgar language in the world, and I can't mention the name of Jesus. It's all upside down. Now listen, I've been pastoring for a long time, and I'll get parents coming into the office and they'll say, you don't believe how little Johnny or little, little Joni talks to me. I said, well, what are they doing? Well, the, the words that come out of their mouth, the four-letter words. And I say, how do you talk to them? Well, that doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it does. It does matter. That's where they get it from. Listen, kids are great because they'll, they'll pick up all your bad habits. Right? Oh, yeah. Even answered them back. Right? I answered my mother back once, and my father just gave me this right hook across the face. I didn't know what hit me. And he says to me, you'll never answer your mother like that again. Yeah, okay, Dad. That's fine. I'm not advocating violence, but there is a, a place for appropriate discipline. Right? 
right. I'll get to you later because I have to get through this. Okay, I have to get through this. Uh, the other, the other caution I want you to consider is this: There's been anti-Bible movements um, ever since I, I can remember. Uh, one of the movements claimed there was no absolute truth. Yeah, there is. You know, it's in the Bible. We don't know it all, unfortunately, but it's there. If God says that marriage is between a man and a woman, that's absolute truth. If God says that the wages of sin is death, that's absolute truth. If God says sin is rebellion against him and his known word and will, that's absolute truth. And, and we, we, we try to say there's no more absolute truths. There, there's movements going on even in the mainline church that will say only parts of the Bible are genuine. I want to know who makes that determination. No, the Bible is God's word, and it's our authority when it's interpreted rightly. Taking verses out of context and twisting them. My stomach cringes when I hear politicians do this. Politicians who profess their belief in God and yet can sign abortion bills, you know? Politicians who profess their belief in God and, and are the recipients of corruption. And they can justify it. This is what the Bible says. No, you're not reading the whole thing. In non-Christian worldviews, you, you will hear me harp on worldviews. Next week, Sunday school starts again, by the way. And we'll be looking at this whole woke stuff and the damage that that, that has done. But uh, non-Christian worldviews. If you have a Christian worldview today, uh, you are in danger as long as, as well as me, being called a racist. I don't care. I'm not racist. God's not racist. But you and I need a Christian worldview. Without a Christian worldview that comes from studying the scriptures and wrestling with them and saying, what does God say about these things? Without that, we will have no discernment of right and wrong. Listen, Satan's the prince of darkness. But listen, we know the state of the world, don't we? At least we know the state of our country. And it's not good. It's really not good. We know the state of many families. Families where there's male abandonment. Families where there's no marriage and one, one partner says, I'm out of here. And there's no responsibility. We all know the damage COVID did when we isolated and kept children out of school. We all know that we've ignored God too long. We've ignored God too long. We need strong families again. Strong families make for strong 
societies. Strong families make for, small, uh, uh, for strong churches. Strong families make for strong communities. Strong families make for strong culture. Listen, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I guess the big day is January 3rd, right? If you put your confidence in Washington, D.C., you're going to be disappointed on both sides of the aisle. You're going to be disappointed. But how about this? Let's come before God and say, Lord, I know you're the light of the world. And I know, Father, that no matter how dark it seems to get out there, it's never going to defeat you. It's never going to defeat your word. And, Lord, it will never defeat me. Because Jesus, who lives in me, is the light of the world. I don't know, you know, what else to say, uh, to be very honest with you. I, and, and I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because you all know this. But what we have to do from this point on is relay it to people who, who will be open to Christ, who will be open to the light. Now, if when the Lord takes me home, whenever that is, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to stand before you and say, if we, if we don't have $15 million by next Sunday, the Lord's going to take me home. Uh, I mean, that's nonsense, too. But the Lord's going to take me home whenever he calls me, right? I have no choice. You know, Doc's expecting a grandchild. That child's going to come when that child's ready, right? Uh, whether the mother's ready or not, here I come, right? Listen. My greatest legacy will be if my children and grandchildren follow Jesus Christ. I don't have money, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, I have a house, they can have that, and that's okay. But I worry for our children and grandchildren because they need to know Jesus. And they need to develop a biblical world view when they come to Christ. So we have a lot to pray for, don't we? But know this, know this. God is not done. That no matter what happens, he's still in control that no matter what happens and how, how things go, we are still called to be obedient to the one who saved us, to be light in a dark world, to be salt in a bitter world, and to proclaim the name of Jesus. Are you ready to do that? I hope so because people need to know the true light and the life that is in Jesus Christ, amen?
let's, uh, I'm going to have uh, uh, service come up for, as we come around the Lord's table. And before they pass out the elements, let me just um, give you some directions that Paul gave the Corinthians. Later on today or tomorrow, if you get a chance, open your, your Bible to uh, 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul gives the Corinthians both a scolding and, a, uh, and directions about the Lord's table. And here's why he had to do that. Because Paul was getting reports that in the churches in Corinth, people were coming to service drunk. Can you imagine that? They were coming arguing which pastor is the better pastor. They were coming without examining themselves. They were coming ignoring the needs of others, both rich and poor. And Paul says, your meetings do more damage than they do good. He says, you missed the whole point here. He says, let me give you the instructions I received from the Lord himself. He says, when you come together, you don't come drunk, you don't come hungry, you come, you, you eat, you drink at home. But this is the Lord's table. This is the place where we have the opportunity as imperfect sinners to come and sit with our Savior and confess to him our shortcomings, our sin. It's a place of self-examination as we let the Spirit and the Word of God examine our lives. It's a place where we can come clean before God and receive forgiveness. It's a special place. It's a place that Jesus ordained at that Last Supper. It's a place where we're going to be at a literal table again when he comes back. He prepares a table for me, for you, in the presence of our enemies. That's amazing. The creator of the universe is going to serve us. But isn't that, isn't that what he did when he came from heaven? He served us. How much more should we be serving others? So Paul said this, whenever you take these elements, examine yourselves. Let the Spirit of God examine your heart. Let the Word of God examine your heart. And if there's anything in your heart that needs to be confessed and repented of, do it before you partake. And then you could partake freely. So I'm going to ask the men to uh, pass out the bread. As they pass out the bread, would you hold it? Use this time for self-examination, and we'll partake together.
In that chapter in Corinthians, Paul goes on to say this. Because you've come to the, he's talking to the Corinthian churches now, because you, you come to the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. The Lord has taken many of you home. Whoa. I guess God regards his time as being serious. So let us come in confession, in repentance, and humility. And let's listen to the words of the Lord himself where he passed, he broke bread and he passed it around and he said, this bread represents his body, which is broken for you. Would you please partake? A last minute pass out the cup, and would you hold it and we'll partake together. Jesus took one of the cups from the Passover supper and he said to his disciples, this cup of wine represents my blood, which is shed for you, which represents a new covenant. And that covenant is sealed with Jesus' own blood, the perfect lamb. And he says, it's a promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. Listen, no matter how dark things get, Christ will never leave us or forsake us, and he will conquer. Because in him, Paul says, we are super conquerors. Jesus says, when you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of him. As is customary at this point, we uh, uh, wait upon you for uh, the Benevolence Fund offering. If you feel led to give to that, that would be great. Again, through your generosity, we were able to help a number of families. And uh, uh, when I say help, get them food and some essentials that they need. Uh, as we kick off the new year, remember that we're still collecting for Lacey High School. And, uh, you know, if you're able to do that along the way, that would be great. Uh, and that's, I think that's it so far, but we'll keep you, we'll keep you posted. 
I rejoice that we didn't get any calls for coats this year, which means people might be a little better off. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll keep our ears open uh, uh, for that. But the biggest gift we can offer anybody is the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. We need to remember that. What if I told you to pretend I'm the mayor of Lacey, right? And I declare on Sundays all businesses were going to be closed unless there were pharmacies that needed to be open. Walmart's closed. Dunkin' Donuts is closed, right? I mean, how would you feel? <laughs> I, you know, I, I grew up in this. On Sundays, you couldn't find any place open, and stores weren't open 24 hours, and we still got the things done we needed to do. Isn't that right? And Sunday was considered a special day. What I didn't realize when I was very young, it was special because of Jesus Christ. And you and I need to recover Sundays because Satan will do everything in his power to keep you home, even with good things. And here's our motivation. As Melissa comes up and Sharon, and Chip will be back next week, I think, right? I hope. Okay. Um, here's your motivation. But because of the person and work of Jesus Christ, his amazing grace, our chains fell off. And now we're free. Would you stand, please? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, t'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved, how did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns on Chains are gone. 
snow the sun forbear to shine but god who called me here below will be forever mine will be forever mine you are forever mine my chains are gone i've been set free my god my savior has ransomed me Listen, life happens, right? Sometimes we have no control of it. Sometimes our own actions bring on bad stuff. But whatever the case may be, God's still in control. So let's make 2023 a time of going forward in the power of God, not our power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Word. And you'll be surprised at what God can do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you dismiss us in the power of your Holy Spirit? Help us, Father. And we need your help for this. To become more like Christ each and every day. And Father, anything we do that honors you, we will give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Hey, not bad. You're dismissed.